County officials suspect the annual rainbow gathering of the tribes could draw tens of thousands to remote federal land, sparking concerns about wildfire and impacts. By Jason Blevins with the Colorado Sun, April 1st, 2022. The Rainbow Gathering of the Tribes plans to return to Colorado this summer to celebrate its 50th anniversary. The weeks-long confab that draws tens of thousands of hippie campers to public lands announced this week that the national gathering of possibly 30,000 would be returning to Colorado. The group's national Bacchanal was last in Colorado in 2006 with about 10,000 people camping on Forest Service land in North Route County outside Steamboat Springs. Before that, there were 19,000 strong outside Paonia in 1992. The first national gathering was near Granby in 1972. The Rainbow Gathering has not yet said where in Colorado they plan to land for the late June, early July festival. But in fire-fearing mountain communities already cracking down on camping in crowds, opposition to the event is mounting with a focus on how tens of thousands of people camping together in the woods could spark a wildfire. This post on Reddit, Take Action Against the Rainbow Gathering, spurred 670-plus comments in less than 24 hours. You can guess the tone of those comments. There are no leaders of the Rainbow family. They don't have an HQ or even a formal website. No one to call and ask questions. Today's Rainbow is as loose as any other internet-connected community. They call themselves the largest non-organization of non-members in the world and they closed their Reddit forum to outsiders on Thursday as hundreds of commenters piled on with less than enthusiastic responses to the 50th annual gathering in Colorado. Many of the group's websites crashed Thursday as news spread of the Colorado events. The loose structure makes it hard for federal land managers and local communities to address impacts and plan for the pending party of hippies. The Forest Service, citing online chatter and posts, suspects the group could be planning to gather in Grand County in June and July. The original 1972 gathering occurred up there, so I think there is some potential desire to come back to Grand County for their 50th, said Reed Armstrong with the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forests. Without a leadership structure, the Forest Service has not been able to enforce its rules requiring a permit for gatherings of more than 75 people on public land. The agency typically writes tickets for illegal camping during big rainbow rallies, but obviously rangers don't pen 10,000-plus citations at every gathering. The Rainbow Group has, since the 1970s, argued that it has a right to assemble on public lands. The National Forest has a national incident team that follows the Rainbow family's annual gatherings, which typically peak over the July 4th holiday. Last year's gathering was in the Carson National Forest near Taos, New Mexico. That team, mostly Forest Service law enforcement officers, works with local communities and local police. While the specific location won't be known until the Rainbow family sends a scouting party to find a spot that provides open spaces near a water supply, the Forest Service and Grand County law enforcement are aware of the possible gathering. We bring, historically, a lot of resources to help protect the local community and help reduce the impact on the community and natural resources, Armstrong said. In 2006, a scouting report from the Rainbow Gathering explored possibly returning to Grand County and identified a handful of possible locations on Forest Service land, including Church Park, Red Dirt Reservoir, and Buffalo Park. One upside for the Rainbow Gathering impact, the Forest Service knows it's coming. Unlike major wildfires like Cameron Peak and East Troublesome, the two largest wildfires in Colorado history that raged through portions of the Arapaho National Forest in 2020. So we can plan for it and prepare for it, Armstrong said. 
The impacts, however, can be the same. Slightly different, but the extent of the natural resource impacts can be similar, which is why we bring in an incident management team. Two overdoses, three babies at 1992 gathering. The 2006 gathering in the Route National Forest's Big Red Park near Clark drew 10,000 to 15,000 campers. The Forest Service had 42 members of its National Incident Management Team watching the gathering and reported 218 citations in the weeks before the July 4th holiday peak. By the end of the event, that number would top 500. Forest Service officials told the Denver Post they spent about $800,000 managing the event. The 1992 Rainbow Gathering on the Gunnison National Forest near Overland Reservoir above Paonia drew about 19,000 campers. The National Forest, which compiled a comprehensive report following the event, knew the exact location in early June and began working with about 500 Rainbow family members by the beginning of June. By July 1st, there were 4,000 cars parked in meadows around the reservoir. The 1992 gathering had medical facilities and 35 kitchens spread across about 2,500 acres for the gathering. Campers were dispersed into smaller camps aligned with different values. For example, there was a sister's camp, a fairy camp, a Krishna camp, and many camps for residents of specific areas. There's even an A camp for people who drink alcohol, which is discouraged by the Rainbow family. The report counted 310 traffic violations issued by the Forest Service, Delta County Sheriff's Office, and Colorado State Patrol. The report showed 43 arrests, mostly for traffic issues and drugs. Two people were found dead from a prescription drug overdose. The report showed three babies were born during the gathering. A combination of federal, state, and local agencies reported spending more than $573,000 to manage the event. The Forest Service reported about 500 members of the group remained after everyone left to fill in 200 trenches that had been used as toilets and to plant shrubs and grasses damaged during the gathering. The damage really is minimal and our assessment is no long-term or irreparable damage was done, Forest Service spokesman Matt Glasgow told the Rocky Mountain News after the event. The New York Times wrote about the first gathering near Strawberry Lake above Granby in July 1972. The event, which was on both private and Forest Service land, was billed as a religious festival, and about 3,000 people walked more than seven miles up to the remote location. Colorado's Governor John Love promised to prevent the gathering, but the blockade collapsed as thousands of young people hiked across the mountains to get there, reads the article. Local lawmakers in Grand County hastily assembled rules around sanitation and large gatherings in hopes of blocking the event. A local judge ruled no more participants could climb to the remote parcel in late June, but was ignored. They'll have to carry us out, a determined young girl told a Denver Post reporter, and they won't have enough jails to put us all in. 2022 Rainbow Gathering Could Bring Destruction to Colorado's Forest by Kelsey Nistel, April 1, 2022, K99. Colorado serves as the hub for many different unique festivals and gatherings, ranging in diversity from themes like multi-day music fests to renaissance fairs and even cannabis celebrations. While most of these large gatherings are good for Colorado's economy and tourism, one that's currently planned for this summer has residents feeling a very opposite way. The 2022 Rainbow Gathering is expected to take place in Colorado and is predicted to bring approximately 30,000 people to the Centennial State. The unorganized group gathering has been happening for 50 years and has occurred in Colorado before. Since it has taken place in Colorado previously, including in Route National Forest back in 2006, officials and law enforcement know what to expect, 
and it's not good. Participants set up camp on public land, and the counterculture festival lasts for weeks, sometimes even up to a month long. In years past, the hippies who are a part of Rainbow Gathering have caused extreme damage to Colorado's backcountry and forest lands. This is ironic in that the gathering is aimed to celebrate nature and life, yet the massive crowds wind up leaving the land completely destroyed. Tree branches are broken and used for fires, plus rangers are left to clean up excessive amounts of human and animal waste once the gathering is over. Even when the group has been denied permits in Colorado due to environmental and safety concerns, they've gone forth with the gathering regardless. During their time in Route National Forest, the group tallied up hundreds of violation notices issued by Forest Service officers. Some of these included drug-related charges as well as illegal occupancy and use of a national forest. Although Colorado has been selected as the rumored location for the 2022 gathering, the exact location has yet to be revealed. Some Reddit threads are hinting it could possibly take place somewhere near Walden, Granby, or Golden, but those are just speculations. Another huge worry about the event taking place in the Centennial State is the risk of fi it poses for fire danger, especially in the backcountry or forest. Plus, in addition to having a negative impact on Colorado's important natural resources, residents are also concerned about the potential of criminals coming to the state. The Rainbow Gathering was held in Carson National Forest in New Mexico last year. Rainbow Family May Infiltrate Grand County This Summer by Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 1st, 2022. Multiple Colorado newspapers are reporting on the possibility of the Rainbow Family, which bills itself as a loose-knit group without leadership or organization who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life, holding its annual gathering in Grand County this summer. The Sky High News spoke with representatives from the Grand County Sheriff's Office, the Grand County Commissioners, and a local fire agency, and were told that, as the family doesn't choose its summer site until a council later in the spring, it is too early to know with any certainty where it will be held. The Sheriff's Office added that it is engaged in preliminary discussion with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize, and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community. One Sky High reporter attended the 2006 Rainbow Gathering in Route County, and with on-the-ground experience, has insights into how these events unfold. We will draw on these insights as we continue reporting on this developing story. In the meantime, we will report on facts in an effort to avoid spreading potentially undue stress in the Grand County community. The U.S. Forest Service is the lead agency in this matter, as these events have historically taken place in its jurisdiction. In early March, the Forest Service released a statement saying that should the event take place, we will bring in a significant number of additional resources to assist with this event. As the Grand County community continues to recover from the devastating 2020 wildfires and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, the advantage that we have is knowing about this potential event. This gives us ample time to work together to plan and prepare for it. With Rainbow Family Gathering 2022 potentially to be held in Colorado, Forest Service explains what they do to monitor. A location has not been confirmed, but rumors point to the gathering taking place in Grand County, both the Sheriff's Office and U.S. Forest Service acknowledge. Nine News by Louis de Leon, April 2nd, 2022.
While it's not yet confirmed, rumors swirling around social media suggest the 50th anniversary of the Rainbow Family Gathering could take place in Colorado, and local and national office officials have taken notice. We are aware of the likelihood of the 2022 World Rainbow Family Gathering happening in Colorado and the possibility it could take place in Grant County, said Grant County Sheriff Brett Schrotlin in a statement. While it is too early to know with any certainty, it is our understanding that historically the location of the gathering is not determined till after their spring council in June. He adds that they're in preliminary discussions with the United States Forest Service as the event would most likely be on public lands. Our local, state, and federal partners will be prepared should the event materialize and we will strive to minimize the local impacts it could bring to our community, the statement read. The Forest Service actually has a specific incident management team to handle monitoring the events while partnering with local law enforcement wherever they take place. Nine News sat down with that team's public information officer to better understand their experience with the group's gatherings and what to expect if it indeed comes to Colorado. What is the Rainbow Family Gathering? Hillary Markin with the Forest Service has been with the National Rainbow Incident Management Team since 2019 and helps monitor the event with their safety plans. So, they're a loose-knit group of people who typically gather on national forests to kind of pray for world peace, celebrate life, discuss political and environmental issues. That's kind of what our understanding is of the group, she said. Reportedly, locals near where the gatherings happen look down on the Rainbow Family Gathering participants because of the amount of time they spend on natural lands. The people within the group have been described as hippies, and hundreds of, violation, and hundreds of violation notices have reportedly been issued by local authorities. The first gathering took place in 1972 in Grand County, suggesting that for its 50th anniversary, the group would set up there again. In 2019, the gathering took place in northern Wisconsin, and there was a gathering in New Mexico in 2021. Come June, Markin said the group will hold its vision council where the location is usually announced. Uh, in recent years, the Forest Service expects anywhere between two and 10,000 people, but Markin says it depends on the location and how easy it is to access that location. We do have criteria that we typically look for when we're working with them. Most of those that have been there before are aware what we're looking for, and they ultimately, you know, they're by and large peaceful group. They want to learn about the local area and work with us to protect it, Markin said. However, a large gathering in a natural forest in Colorado comes with risks, Markin acknowledges. Risks. Typically, a group larger than 75 people would need a special use permit from the Forest Service. But because there's no governing body or a single leader for the gathering, Markin explained that it poses challenges. An organized group that has a leader, you know, then you come to the National Forest and apply for a special use permit, and then we work through the special use design criteria to see, is this event going to be permitted on the National Forest? What kind of stipulations will be put in place? And we issue you a special use permit if we can agree upon the different criteria that we're looking for, she explained. Instead, they treat the gathering as an incident. Just like we would for a fire or all other risk incidents, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resource and protecting the visitors that are on the National Forest, Markin said, acknowledging the environmental risks that come with a large gathering in the forest. Trees are always a big concern of where is all this waste going to go, and so we've got design criteria of how to deal with those waste. How far away from water sources, all of that, those specifics go in to try to protect the natural resources. And then we have our law enforcement officers and our resource protection folks out there making sure that they're complying with that design criteria, Markin explained. Like, what areas would we say no to if the Rainbow family would like to go to a certain area? There may be a protected area or wilderness or something like that, and we would restrict them from going there.
Regarding wildfire concerns, Markin says they're usually prepared for a fire risk and staff is heightened when there is a fire risk. Depending on what the fire danger level is, we have fire staff happening on the forest just naturally. That's an automatically occurring thing. But we know we have an incident happening. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will set up that staffing level so we're connected, she said. Markin brought up an example from 2019 when her team explained to gathering goers about milkweed, an important plant to the monarch butterfly, and she recalled several members going around trying to protect those plants. When it comes to parking, Markin explained that the event turns into a sort of traffic operation. So that's a big thing when they do choose a location is thinking about parking and traffic flow for the incident. You know, if it's a one-way in and a one-way out situation, where is it safe for cars to park to maintain ingress and egress in and out of that location? So we put up no parking signs, so it becomes kind of a traffic management thing, she said, adding that they make sure a path for emergency vehicles is available. While the team has prepared year after year, they usually don't get much notice where exactly the gathering is planned. The guessing game. As officials keep a close eye as to where the event will be, Markin said it's usually pretty difficult to pinpoint in advance. And so it's really challenging to decipher what's real and what's not when you're reading the different sites and areas until they actually put out the, you know, this is where Vision Council decided on and here's where we're going to land. You don't get much information, she said. Markin shared a story of 20... 19, where they had established the incident management team at a spot they thought they would be, but were actually 50 miles away since the group had moved at the last second. And they chose a great spot where they ended up, but we were planning for them to be about 50 miles to the south originally, and then they came up north further, Markin said. Overall, Markin said a plan will be in place for when the group announces its location. We work with the forest where this incident is going to occur, and we put a resource protection plan in place as if it was a special use permit, she said. Let's start with this. Who is the Rainbow Family, and what's the big deal? So they are a loose-knit group of people um, who typically gather on national forests to kind of um, pray for world peace, celebrate life, um, discuss political and environmental issues. That's Hillary Markin is with the Forest Service's incident management team, specifically formed to follow them. They expect anywhere between two and 10,000 people to show up for the annual summer gathering. The last time they were in Colorado, 2006 in Route County. One of the few ways that people could keep up with the group was through a subreddit that's been set to private. But the Forest Service is preparing for it to possibly end up in Colorado once again, specifically Grand County, where the first ever gathering happened in 1972. For them, the exact location is sort of a guessing game every year. But it makes it really challenging for us to plan to work with them um, to get a resource protection plan on the ground. But when the plan is set, they always treat it as an incident. Just like we would a fire um, or other all-risk incidents, um, we bring in an incident management team that's familiar with how these work and really focus on protecting the natural resources and protecting the visitors that are um, on the National Forest. A main concern is a bunch of people in one spot of the forest when Colorado's wildfire behavior has kicked up in recent years. If we know that fire danger is higher, we will up that staffing level. So we're connected. We call kind of resource protection officers out there on the ground that work with them. We try to educate them. Um, to, again, it's all about protecting the natural resources um, that they're utilizing for this gathering and leaving as minimal impact as possible. That's the understanding of both the Forest Service and Grand County Sheriff that there's something called the Spring Vision Council 
That's held around in mid-June, and that's where exactly the location is announced for where the gathering will be. Officials keep a close eye on that, and then they deploy resources as soon as they know. Steve, they also treat this in part as a traffic operation, putting up no parking signs, among other things. Yeah, no parking for this. And at this point, Luis, they must know that law enforcement knows about this. They certainly do. Not a surprise anymore. It's what the Forest Service calls a non-sanctioned event. Basically, groups bigger than 75 people have to get a special use permit, but because there's no one single leader or really a governing body for this, it's hard for them to really plan or implement that, so they prepare for the gathering instead. It will be interesting to watch their response. Luis de Leon, thank you. The Rainbow Family Gatherings, they started in Colorado dozens of years ago. This year, it'll reportedly be back. And we spoke to an attendee who says that they're going or they're planning rather on having 80,000 people gather in one of our forest lands. Listen to what he had to say about what this event is all about. And we call ourselves a family, though we're not related by blood. We're, we're related by our common goal and our common interest in prayer for world peace because that is what the rainbow gathering is entirely centered around harris show has been to rainbow family gatherings for 12 years now he along with thousands of others they typically gather for an entire week this year they plan to do that between july 1st and july 7th they say they haven't chosen the forest land they plan to gather in just yet but they have chosen our state and despite being an event focused on quote praying for world peace these gatherings they've been controversial in the past Coloradans who've gotten word about the gathering being here say they worry about that wildfire danger, even cleanliness. But Parisho says these are concerns that are currently being worked out. We do a lot of liaison work with the National Forest Service, both with the law enforcement end and with the, uh, the natural resource end to make sure that we're um, being careful of uh, sensitive environments in the area that we're going to be in, whether that be wildlife, uh, plant life, or uh, a, a, fragile water source. So we reached out to the U.S. Forest Service. They heard about the gathering potentially being in Grand County and said in part, quote, this is not a permitted or sanctioned event. The Rainbow family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. We want to assure the community that we are working with our partners and cooperators to prepare for the possibility of a large extended gathering in Colorado. And we also reached out to Grand County officials as well as state officials. Both say they are aware of the possibility of this event being in our state. They say they plan to ramp up these coordinated efforts with other agencies as we get closer to that expected gathering date, which again is in July. In Denver, I'm Veronica Acosta, September 7. The Economics of the Rainbow Family of Living Light by Patrick Brower for Sky High News, April 9, 2022. There's a business angle to the imminent return of the Rainbow Family of Living Light to Grand County this summer. Press reports and hearsay are stating that the family is planning a 50-year reunion of its first gathering in Grand County, which took place in June and July of 1972. That gathering, which has also become known as the Strawberry Festival, because much of it took place at Strawberry Bench, has achieved the status of near-mythical folklore among the legends of Grand County's past. And now, the Rainbow family is coming back. As they say, past is prelude. The gathering was resonant all over the state and the region. Remember, 1972 was a year that some would say was the peak of the hippie era in America. Yes, the 60s are known for the, as the hippie decade, but it was the early 70s when hippiedom and all of its counterculture splendor really consumed the American consciousness. 
Based on the press reaction and coverage I've seen this week, it still consumes the American and regional consciousness. The Forest Service is worried about permitting. Local government is worried about the big crowds, if they even arrive in large numbers. And the world in general is freaked out, to coin a phrase from that era. This pre-event freakout isn't dissimilar to what happened here 50 years ago. The festival back then was billed as a gathering of peace where the event-goers would participate in a 4,000-year-old peace dance based on Native American traditions with the spirits of the dead all to be fulfilled at Lake Granby, coined as the center of the universe. A crowd would ohm in unison at the given sunrise moment and world peace would be enhanced. At least that was the idea. I get the impression that it was mostly a good-spirited and well-intentioned gathering that was all about peace, love, and understanding. But the fear and anxiety news of the gathering then provoked made it seem like Attila the Hun had announced an impending invasion of the county. Petitions were circulated urging then-Governor John Love to stop the hippie picnic, the so-called Universal Life Church Meeting of Peace. People believed that 140,000 hippies would descend on the county. A total of 548 people signed the petition. The gathering was ultimately permitted, but with strict limitations on crowd sizes on public land and times of activities. If it wasn't for Granby, Granby local Paul Geisendorfer, who offered land his family owned in Granby and at Strawberry Bench, a private national forest in holding owned by his family, for the longer gatherings and camping, the Strawberry Festival might have been a colossal flap. flop. But it wasn't, and it's still talked about today, even without a reunion event. Good for business? Yes. Once again, Grand County's gotten lots of free publicity in regional and national news. You can't buy that kind of viral exposure. Will these hippies bring money to spend? Well, not all of them. But remember, the hippies of yesterday are in some cases the investment bankers, Silicon Valley millionaires, and top-level bureaucrats of today. They just might bring money, and they just might want to lease and use some of our abundant short-term rentals and condos. We know that not all these types will be rich, but they will come and enjoy our landscape. I hope in a non-impactful way. We'll see. Perhaps local merchants can come up with Rainbow Family and Strawberry Festival-themed merchandise. Tacky, I know, but it's one idea. And now I wonder about the infamous motorcycle gang riot and celebration that shut down Grand Lake for two days in early July of 1975. Will those gangs seeing the rainbows return come back to relive the crazy days of their youth? It might not be bad because Harley-Davidson riders today are more likely to be orthodontists and business professionals than the rough-and-tumble gang members of yesteryear. Let's start planning now. Grand County Commissioners Release Statement on Rainbow Gathering Tracy Ross, Sky High News, April 13, 2022 the Grand County Board of County Commissioners sent a statement to the Sky High News upon request Wednesday, April 13th, that says the board has been made aware by the U.S. Forest Service that the 2022 Rainbow Family Gathering could occur in Grand County, that it will not make allowances for an unpermitted event on public land by the USFS, and that it does not support the gathering. In a phone call regarding the statement, District 2 Commissioner Merritt Linke said he had talked to some of the Forest Service high-ups and that they don't feel there is much support to oppose the gathering. He said that's because the Rainbows could go somewhere else to a more remote area that would have less backup than Grand County does. 
kind of the consensus unofficially is that they're coming and we can do the best we can to prepare, even though we won't know if they will come until the last minute, Linky added. But they're a very unstructured group with no legal status or organized structure. They're not an official church group and they don't have any true leadership, so preparing in advance would be hard to do. When asked what the county will do to prepare should they learn definitively that the rainbows are coming, Linky said... A lot of it from the county side has to do with trying to get extra personnel and costs covered. The Rainbows are bad about paying bills like EMS response or hospitalization. We'll also need additional law enforcement services, which is money out of Grand County taxpayers' pockets. So we're trying to make sure the Forest Service will help us with some federal funding. And really, in terms of managing it, it's making sure we can call on our neighboring counties. There are lots of mutual aid agreements with sheriffs and municipal departments across the state, so that seems our best bet. Word circulating around the state is that the Rainbow family is coming to Grand County this summer to celebrate the 50th anniversary of its first gathering, which took place at Strawberry Lake. Historically, the family has waited until mid-June to send a scouting party to potential gathering sites. Linky said they can't legally hold a gathering on Strawberry Lake anymore because it's in a national recreation area which forbids such gatherings. The statement also said, We hear and share our community's concern about the potential for this highly concentrated and localized event on USFS lands. At the scale discussed by the USFS, if the gathering takes place here, it could bring additional wildfire risk to the community due to prolonged drought and the magnitude of fuels from beetle-killed trees, grasses, and undergrowth. Grand County has been significantly impacted by recent wildfires that burned more than 225,000 acres of our land, destroyed nearly 400 homes, and burned all four watershed basins. These burn areas are still in the early phases of recovery, with anticipated additional flood-after-fire threats this summer. Updates will follow as the BOCC learn more from the Forest Service, the statement said. How the U.S. Forest Service is preparing for the Rainbow Family's 50th anniversary festivities in Colorado. The federal agency launched an incident management team to deal with the potential conflict. By Sam Tabachnik, The Denver Post, April 18, 2022. Confused about the Rainbow Family and the group's possible 50th anniversary celebration in Colorado this summer? The U.S. Forest Service has you covered and is mobilizing a national incident management team to handle the potential festivities. Word has trickled out in recent weeks about the hippie group's possible month-long celebration in Colorado, prompting federal authorities to launch a website with all the vitals on the Rainbow Family of Living Light and their quirky festivities. The Forest Service also launched the incident management team to work with the local community and law enforcement to protect the health and safety of everybody involved and to lessen environmental impacts to the site by providing information and enforcing laws. The group, whose members say they stand for peace and love, celebrated their inaugural festival in 1972 near Strawberry Lake outside Granby. Since that first gathering, the Rainbow family has come together annually on different national forest lands with crowds ranging from 2,000 to 10,000 visitors. Vice once called the festivities a weird version of Burning Man, mixing bikers, Jesus freaks, computer programmers, naked yogis, and gutter punks looking to escape the thralls of everyday life. Past gatherings in Colorado led to trespassing and illegal camping charges and reported drug use. 
The gathering usually coincides with the 4th of July, the Forest Service said, but the event's specific location and time frame is not typically revealed to the federal agency until mid-June, after the group's spring council. A final location for this year's celebration has not been set, the Forest Service said. The Rainbow Family Group consistently refused to comply with permitting laws for previous gatherings, according to the Forest Service. They claim to have no leaders and no one member of the family who can speak for the group to sign a permit on behalf of the family, the federal agency said on its website. The Forest Service put together a resource protection plan to ensure environmental damage is minimized and stipulates that the Rainbow family clean up the area after the festivities. But people can expect socially unacceptable behavior from some of the attendees, the Forest Service warned including public nudity, civil disobedience, drug and alcohol abuse, and confrontations between rainbows and locals. Statement on the United States Forest Service webpage, 2022 Rainbow Family of Living Light National Gathering, as of April 19, 2022. The Rainbow Family of Living Light plans to hold its 50th anniversary gathering on a national forest this summer, possibly in Colorado. The Rainbow Family is a loose-knit group of people from throughout the United States and other countries who gather annually on a national forest. Since the first gathering near Strawberry Lake on the Arapaho National Forest in 1972, the incident has taken place on a different national forest each year. Crowds typically range from 2,000 to 10,000 forest visitors. While there have been indications on social media and the web that the group desires to return to the Arapaho National Forest for its 50th anniversary, the specific location and time frame of the National Gathering is not typically revealed to the Forest Service until mid-June, when the Rainbow Family holds a Spring Council. The gathering usually coincides with the 4th of July, with peak activity in the days immediately before and after the holiday. In response, the USDA Forest Service mobilizes a national incident management team with experience managing these types of incidents. The team works closely with the local community, including law enforcement agencies, throughout the incident to protect the health and safety of everyone involved and to lessen environmental impacts to the site by providing information and enforcing laws. The Forest Service requires a special use permit for every public group of 75 people or more conducting a meeting or event on national forest system lands. The Rainbow Family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings. They claim to have no leaders and no one member of the family who can speak for the group to sign a permit on behalf of the family. The Forest Service has periodically cited Rainbow Family members for failing to obtain a permit. However, in the interest of public health and safety, the Forest Service puts together a resource protection plan including specific design criteria to ensure sensitive resources are protected, environmental damage is minimized, and it stipulates post-event cleanup and rehabilitation of the incident location conducted by the Rainbow Family. An event of this size can have significant impacts on traffic, communities, local resources, residents, and visitors. Local businesses can expect to see large numbers of Rainbow Family participants visiting stores and buying food and supplies along routes to the gathering site. Forest and county roads in the selected area may become congested during the incident, and road closures and or traffic detours may occur on the selected national forest. Contact Public information, questions, and concerns. Email sm.fs.rainbowimt at usda.gov.
phone 970-364-2201. Frequently Asked Questions What is the Rainbow Family of Living Light? The Rainbow Family is a loose-knit group of people who gather on national forests to discuss political and environmental issues, pray for world peace, and celebrate life. They describe themselves as having no leaders and no organization. What is the National Gathering? The Rainbow Family holds a national gathering once a year. Since 1972, the event has taken place on a different national forest during the July 4th holiday and has fluctuated in size. In recent years, national gatherings have attracted approximately 2,000 to 10,000 people. Local and regional gatherings occur during other times of the year. How does the Rainbow Family decide where to gather? At the end of each annual gathering, members form a vision council which meets to discuss the location of the next year's event. During the following year, a spring council meets to determine the final location of the national gathering. At the 2022 spring council, the Rainbow family will agree on where the gathering will be held. Final locations have not yet been set. How and when is the specific site selected? During the spring and early summer, Rainbow Family Scouts research and visit areas to find a suitable site according to their standards. Scouts may visit local Forest Service offices requesting information and maps. In mid-June, the Spring Council occurs, often at the location of the annual gathering. The specific place and time is not revealed to the Forest Service until it happens. What resource impacts may occur? Possible resource impacts include compacted soil, water quality degradation, sanitation issues, disturbances to sensitive archaeological sites, disruptions to threatened and endangered plant and animal species, and fire danger. When does the National Gathering begin? Within one week of the Spring Council, about 1,000 to 2,000 attendees arrive on site. The crowd grows, often reaching 2,000 to 10,000 people by July 4th. Once the site is determined, the Rainbow Family uses the internet and other communication methods to let Rainbow Family members know the location and directions to the site. When does the gathering end? The event peaks on July 4th. After that, attendance declines drastically. However, a group of rainbows stay to clean up and rehabilitate the site. Other people may also remain for a couple of weeks. How does a large group, potentially 2,000 to 10,000 people, live in the woods? As soon as Rainbow Family members select a site, they set up a welcome tent, camping and social areas, parking and shuttle areas, healthcare areas, and several outdoor kitchens. They develop water sources and dig trench latrines. There is no fee for attendance, but they collect donations for food and other necessary items for distribution. They designate special areas for group gatherings, families with children, men, women, and party-goers, to name a few. Attendees are advised to bring their own camping gear. Family members use campfires exclusively to cook. Did the Rainbow Family get a permit? No. Why is the Forest Service cooperating with an event that doesn't have a permit? The Forest Service requires a special use permit for every group of 75 or more people conducting a meeting or event on National Forest System lands. The Rainbow Family has consistently refused to comply with the permit process during national gatherings since they claim to have no leaders and no one member who can speak for the group or sign a permit on behalf of the family. The Forest Service has periodically cited Rainbow Family members for failing to obtain a permit. 
However, the agency also works with the family to adhere to a resource protection plan in lieu of a special use permit to protect the health and safety of individuals at the gathering and in the surrounding community to ensure sensitive resources are protected, to minimize any environmental damage, and to coordinate post-event cleanup and rehabilitation of the event site. Why can the Rainbow Family members camp for more than 14 days? Most of our national forests have a 14-day camping limit, including both developed sites, developed campgrounds, and dispersed sites, non-developed campgrounds or sites. The majority of participants will not be at the event for more than 14 days. It would be impossible to track thousands of individuals and their stay lengths. What social impacts are expected? The Rainbow Family represents a very diverse group of individuals. As with any large population, a certain percentage of gathering participants can be expected to engage in illegal or socially unacceptable behavior. Some activities may include public nudity, civil disobedience, drug and alcohol abuse, confrontations between rainbows and locals, abandoned or disabled vehicles, and traffic, congestion, and parking for 4,000 to 7,000 vehicles. Can the rainbows use campfires if fire restrictions are in place? The participants must abide by all local, state, and federal laws, including fire restrictions. How does the Forest Service manage this event? The Rocky Mountain region is currently creating a national incident management team. NIMT objectives will include address health and safety risks to the public and participants, minimize environmental impacts with law enforcement presence and action, recognize and mitigate social and political impacts, respect civil rights of all members of the public. Management of the event is being fully integrated with local officials. The incident management team is working in partnership with state, county, and local law enforcement, health, and other organizations. Informational meetings involving the NIMT, the Forest Service, federal, state, and local agencies and entities will occur as needed. Where possible, the local forest also assists Rainbow members in locating potentially suitable sites for their gatherings before they occur. Is Resource Protection Plan in place? A Resource Protection Plan is currently being issued with the following primary goals protecting public health and safety, minimizing resource impacts and leaving the site at or near pre-gathering conditions, reducing effects on and disruption to local communities, adjacent landowners, and other special use permittees. Issues addressed in the Resource Protection Plan include designating parking areas to facilitate traffic flow, locating camps, kitchens, and slit trenches away from water sources, removing trash, and rehabilitating the site after the gathering. Who will rehabilitate the area after the gathering? The Rainbow Family is responsible for site rehabilitation. Guidelines are outlined in the, outlined in the Resource Protection Plan. At past events, many individuals have stayed to assist in site cleanup and have paid for trash disposal with a local vendor. Forest Service officials anticipate this will occur again this year. What role does the state and county play in this event? Event management is being fully integrated with local officials, including all tribal, federal, state, county, and local law enforcement agencies, as well as emergency service organizations, public health departments, and social services. Are special closure orders in effect? The forest may issue special closure orders to protect the health and safety of visitors and or natural resources that could be impacted by the incident. Will the area be open to the public? 
Yes. However, all National Forest visitors must obey federal, state, and local laws and regulations. The Forest Service takes the enforcement of these laws very seriously. The gathering may impact the community, neighbors, and other forest visitors. The Forest Service will work hard to minimize any negative effects to local communities and the environment. Does the Forest Service test the water? The Forest Service does conduct water quality testing as part of the regular monitoring procedures. If during those tests the data indicates there is a problem, the appropriate health departments will be contacted. What makes the Forest Service think the event may occur in Colorado or Grand County? The Rainbow Family held its first gathering 50 years ago at Strawberry Lake on the Arapaho National Forest. The Forest Service is aware, based on information posted on various websites and social media used by Rainbow Family members, that the 2022 National Rainbow Family Gathering could occur in Colorado, possibly on the Arapaho National Forest, in recognition of the 50th anniversary. The specific site or time frame is typically not known until the group holds its spring council in June. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch a Hi, this is Carl I wrote this song I I'm Mike's friend My turn-ons are satin sheets I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to call. The French duh, not the duh, duh. Let's watch a Nice. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Good job. Oh, my God. You did it on the first take. Oh, keep rolling. Keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. We'll cut yeah, this. this keep is rolling. a take. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, this is a take. <laughs> Welcome to their show. It's Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube or Feature Length. Let me know. Did I get that wrong? Uh, where we watch a Feature Length Movie on YouTube with you, the audience, and us, Mike and Carl. Carl is a New Jersey comedian, and you can... Hey, is your show uh, available to the public? Well, anybody can log in, yeah. Okay, well, we'll so at the end of the show, we'll, we'll mention that, as well as the next movie we're going to watch. But right now, we're going to watch a movie on YouTube, so go to YouTube. And Carl, what is the movie today? We are watching Zero to 60, 1978. That's what you put in your YouTube search engine. Zero, the, the word zero, zero to the word 60, zero to 60 and the numbers, 1978. <laughs> And we like too many numbers. <laughs> yeah, who's been uh, who, hosting? Zero. Uh, we are Hell Z seventy two. One word. H e l z seventy two. All right. Well, I am all set. And once you do that, click the link and hit pause and set that time the bar to zero. And we want to watch it with you. And uh, just man, that this whole thing is like zero to sixty. 1978. Right. That is some, some 
conspiratorial shit. Yeah. So uh, we're very excited. So we're so have you all right, audience? We're done talking about the Illuminati. Are we ready to watch this movie? (laughs) I am. We're gonna count it down, and we are really excited here in the quarantine, still chilling on our couch. (laughs) We're riding it through. Uh, Very excited to have Countdown King himself, the maestro of descending new worlds, the near earth. Three, two, one. Mr. Sunday afternoon, uh, and Carl's man crush. Please, let's get ready to rumba. Rum, 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 Wow, I never know when to start talking, man. You guys, my intro gets longer and longer every week. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking to about. feel more and more impotent. I hope you guys are doing well out there. We're doing well. Yeah. How's the view in the uh, bunker over there, Paul? It, it is well. I, I love the, the four brick walls that I've erected around me. <laughs> well, we're great to have you here as well as everyone else. And, uh, have you here for the countdown and for zero to 60. All right, you guys, you know the drill. Let's do this in true bunker style. Let's do this thing in three, two, one. Wash your hands. <laughs> First artist presents an MGM picture. A Kathleen Brown production? That- sure. That's the white. Aaron McGavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like zero that. to sixty. Is that fucking mine? Gonna logo gonna bug gonna be on the entire movie? Yeah, the entire movie, MGM. Just letting you know who brought you this. Yeah, right. Who that's where it? they got. That's where yeah. they got the promo copy of it. Yeah, I, totally. It's his property of. Uh, I keep... For your for your academy considerations. All right, Sylvia Miles. Yeah, you see that's her pink car. We're meeting not we're not meeting our hero, but we're meeting like our supporting actress. Is it Denise Nickerson who's yep, being introduced is. in this movie? And she has the man's name Larry. First for Larry B. Uh, Lorena B. I guess we never learn. Now she's calling in on the radio to her dispatcher headquarters. She's a repo man, of course she's not a man, and she's chasing Gloria. She's long sought Gloria's Trans Am. She's way behind in her payments. She doesn't make payments. Oh, that is living on the seventies edge. <laughs> is she have a seatbelt? Did she fasten her seatbelt? I'm a little no. nervous. No. Yeah, I, I... I can't watch this. No. Am I going to do an accident? She is recklessly driving because she's chasing Gloria, so a cop has noticed. There's Gloria, who is, who is, oops, it's not Gloria. Hey, stop looking at my hair. You see, we're going to meet Gloria, and her hair always changes. She's always wearing a wig. But now we're going to meet our star, who is good friends with Dick Martin from Laughing. Is it uh, 
That's yeah. Oh well, that's one of the reasons why I picked this movie because uh, I've watched video DVDs of full-length episodes of Laugh In, and uh, they did a movie called The Maltese Biffy, Ronan Martin and Maltese Biffy, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not on YouTube. So, but this was. Now this, I have no uh, idea was his. Yeah. You will know from Christmas Story. Now, we just got our first joke that they blindly walked across the street and almost got hit, and they didn't know it. Look how clever she is. You see how she hid from the cop? Is this in Los Angeles? Is this down by the farmer's market? I have no idea. I think it's Los Angeles, and every time I look on a cop car to see if it's Los Angeles, they've taken off the city name. (laughs) Doesn't it look like the Beverly Center behind them? I have no idea. Maybe I'm just fucking around. We should like Oakland too. We could call Adam and find out because we don't know LA like Adam does. Yeah. Okay. My brother, host of uh, the Bad Movie Podcast, proudly resents. Go ahead, Carl. I'm sorry. Proudly resents. What we're learning now is Gavin is divorced, and he's coming out of divorce court, and that's the wife, and that's the pool boy. So it's basically <laughs> a depressing – okay, now, the Repo Girl is overhearing their conversation, and uh, Christmas Story Father is going, I owe $1,000 on my car. He's like, now, what? Christmas Dad's father was in other stuff, right? I mean, he was in – is that the Night Stalker guy? Yes, exactly right. A very famous television show that was a huge hit movie. And that was like, yeah. the guy was investigating a murder, and the murderer turned out to be a vampire. A, a vampire, yeah, sure, didn't see that coming. And, but then, like, he got a show where he lives in San Francisco, and he writes a newspaper column about, like, paranormal events. And every week there's, like, a vampire or a werewolf or, like, a, you know, a, a ghost. Yes. Uh, and they would always come to the Bay. I say well, ghost because uh, Dick Martin's about to eat that hot dog, and I'm thinking of Slimer. I'm sorry. <laughs> That that came out – okay, the movie was called The Night Stalker. That was 72, and by 1974, it was a TV show, yes. And that's how he got his big fame. But Christmas Story eclipsed that. Well, I think he, he gets more residual checks. Is he, he, he passed away, hasn't he? So look, you see the chain? I think – yeah. Okay, now Larry, the repo woman, has taken his car. Now watch how the chain disappears. Where'd it go? So what he did was well, I don't know. <laughs> he stole his lawyer's car to chase the repo girl. He doesn't know it's a repo girl. Up your... It is a kid. Yeah, she is a kid, and she's very inconsiderate. She's very selfish. You should see the way she drives. She causes accidents all the time. Okay, now Dick Martin is call as the lawyer is calling in his car as stolen. Right. Yeah, she yeah but she's a good driver though. Yeah. It might be a stunt. Oh, right. Well, back then you. Were... <laughs> it could be like some John Wick shit where they train a nine-year-old. And introducing Glider King Queen herself. Best actor oh, in uh, uh, Best actor in John Wick was that dog. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> now, because they did the uh, Oscar in memoriam scene where they had the dog for John Wick, I cried because I was just you know so moved by it. Now this guy you might know from Godfather. He's 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 off the screen now. Oh, the one who took his birdcage, or the one who threw a yeah. dart by a door. Yeah, his name's Vito Scotti, and he was Nazarene the baker in The Godfather. He made the wedding cake. Yeah. Well, are you a fan of the Night Stalker? Did you lose Paul? No, he's still there. Paul, you a Night Stalker fan? You know that film, that TV series? Yeah, I totally remember. That was like one of my favorite things. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Kolchak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kolchak. Yeah, right. Kolchak, the Night Stalker. What was your? Do you, it was in San Francisco, wasn't it? It seemed like it. A lot of that I remember. That I remember. What was it? The same time period and the same time of night was. Uh, they would always play the other Rod Sterling one. Um, Out of limits. No. Not Twilight. Not not. What was it? Night Gallery. Huh. Night Gallery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Larry ran all the way to the repo station, ran inside and goes, some creep's following me. Now they're hassling him. And they're going to spank his naked butt. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. This is much, traumatize everyone. much than the last movie we were going to pick. Uh, remind me of the last movie we were going to pick. Oh, yes, that movie that we were going to pick. Well, well, Rick, I don't know if you said it, but we could say it at the end of this film. Okay, so yeah. well, now Larry's getting legitimate with the boss, okay? And you probably recognize the boss. Um, her name is Sylvia Miles, but you might know her from Midnight Cowboy or... In Wall Street, she was the realtor. Um, she's been around movies a long time. Kid, you're going to need a new uh, place to live. Right. You're going to move out of New Jersey. Go to New York City. Here, I got a realtor for you. I was Sylvia Miles. Here is your house, Charlie. What do you think? Act. Why bother? Now, in the Wall Street 2, you know, Money Never Sleeps, she came back and reprised her role yeah. as realtor. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Oh. Gecko, thank you for coming out of jail. I got you a great place. Thank you, realtor. So, the cop come, a cop comes in, and he's like, Flo, are you trafficking stolen vehicles now? And he's like, why? Well, we had a report of a stolen car and it's crashed on your front yard there. So Gavin will try to not get caught. Darren Gavin will try to not get caught here. And and for some reason, Flo will play along and say, we just hired him. He's our new repo man. Give him a break, Charlie. Well, repo She's men are crazy. Get him so, to go you know. with the flow. Ah. Yeah. yeah These guys it. are repo men? These are repo men, and the only one of of note is Benny, who is v Vito Scotti, who's been in a million things. That's the curly-haired guy? No, it's this guy coming up, wagging his finger. He was in Hedge, one of your favorite <laughs> movies, the monkey movie Head. Oh, all right, let me figure out who he is. 
Yes, got it. Probably the boxing scene. And got or, uh, uh, favorite movies too. That's true. And also the little man with the funny hat. He was terrific in that movie. So now what? Wait, guys, is this an MGM movie? Is yeah, it's an MGM movie. Now we're getting that typical. Okay, you two's are partners, and they. I hate this guy. You know that typical setup, and then they become great friends. You know how it goes. No, I don't know how it goes. A nine-year-old repo man. A nine-year-old. It's like a stranger. Yeah, how old is she in this movie? Well, supposed to be your character. In the movie, she's pretending she's in her 20s, but the truth is she's 16, and he's going to discover right. that. Now you they just know, gave them jobs. Do you remember uh, Willy Wonka, the one that 